Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And today, I hope your life finds you warm and well-fed and out of this crazy weather. And I also hope that you remember to give a moment of silence for those people that are going through it. Before we get started on our trip today, I must beg your forgiveness. You see, yesterday I told you the story of the Tuskegee Lab Rats. And at the end of it, I kind of got caught up, choked up, muttering, and completely broke down. I forgot to edit that part out, and so you heard it. And I'm truly sorry, because you do not listen to this program for that. You listen to this program to get truth and facts. And the fact is, during that time, I had huge family in the state of Alabama. And there's no doubt in my mind that some of my DNA was not in some of those test subjects. So it broke me. And I'm truly, truly sorry. And I know it's wrong, but to the depth of my soul, I hate the way our ancestors were treated. But it's not my job to curse the darkness. It's my job to drag the darkness to the light. So with all that being said, let's slip into darkness. Throughout our history, I do not want you to think that all white people thought of us as animals, as property, because that's not the case. Quite a few people put their lives at risk trying to help us. Such is the case of one Robert Gould Shaw, a white man with money, prestige, education, and many escapes from the war. But he did not take any of them. The force of his moral calling brought him forward when others stood still. His decision to train, lead, and fight alongside the 1st Black Regiment would forever change the trajectory of the Civil War. Shaw's family was fantastically rich. His father, a successful merchant and exporter of translated books, and for years Shaw traveled throughout Europe, indulging in his every whim. With no worries, he later attended Harvard and began a traditional business career. 
It was about this time that the Civil War flared up, and his enlistment in the Union Army made perfect political sense. His family were well-known abolitionists and actively involved in regional affairs. In addition, talented men were needed because the Union Army was not faring well in the early parts of the war. Shaw served in the 7th Infantry Regiment, successfully defending Washington, D.C. in April of 1861. He continued to participate in battles and securing promotions. But as he proved himself a successful soldier and leader, another initiative was on its way. A plan was put into motion to enlist black soldiers into the Union Army. Logistically, it was essential. Functionally, it made perfect sense. But there was an obvious alignment of goals. Many free black men still had relatives in chains. Yet, while the Union leadership and its soldiers should be credited for their intentions during the war, there were still problematic race perceptions. Some questioned the intelligence and competency of black soldiers, wondering if this initiative could even be scaled across the entire armed forces. There was also concerns about how the arrival of black soldiers would affect their white counterparts. In 1862, they started a pilot program via the all-black 54th Regiment. Now, finding leaders was difficult in the beginning due to the persistent stigma. Massachusetts Governor John Andrew an abolitionist who knew Shaw's family and had heard good things about Robert, approached him at a party to propose the idea. Now, Robert Shaw was initially standoffish. While deeply committed to ending slavery, he had his own reservations about how the role would affect his reputation. And so he told the governor he had to think about it. He met with his mother, who was not only anti-slavery, but believed in the full integration of races. In his talks with her, she implored him to take the job, in which he did. Many people thought Shaw was crazy for taking the regiment, telling him that black soldiers wouldn't do well, that they weren't smart enough. There was national media attention on the regiment and sadly, quite a bit of skepticism. The Confederacy, on the other hand, announced that all captured black soldiers would be sold into slavery and all white officers caught leading them would be executed. But none of that bothered Shaw, who 
assembled his 1,000 men and began his stern but compassionate training. His troops were recruited from surrounding states with some difficulty. Black men were skeptical of joining because of the Union's initial refusal to recruit them. Shaw wrote a letter to his father stating that the intelligence of the men is a great surprise to me. There is not the least doubt that we will leave the state with as good a regiment as any that has marched. The 54th fought in several battles, performing well in each, taking minimal losses, but their efforts weren't without challenges. At the center of the conflict was the need for black soldiers to be taken seriously. They'd been treated as laborers rather than fellow soldiers. And when Shaw discovered his men wouldn't be paid the same as white soldiers, he took a voluntary pay cut to protest and lobbied on their behalf with the highest command. Eventually, he secured pay and further boosted their loyalty. By this time, his soldiers would walk through fire for him. And eventually, they did. The history-solidifying moment of the 54th would come in 1863 at the Battle of Fort Wagner. He and his men volunteered to lead the initial charge against the heavily entrenched Confederate fort. They knew this would be a deadly assault with the odds against them. If you were a soldier in the Union Army, this was not an outfit you wanted in on. They stormed Fort Wagner, taking heavy cannon and gunfire as they advanced on the slopes leading up to the fort's walls. A Confederate soldier later confessed that rebels were infuriated at the sight of Negro troops. My friends, the men of the 54th knew they weren't just fighting for their own freedom, but to represent the image of black soldiers. The sight of their efforts left a lasting impression on white Union soldiers. They could have well been part of that front line. They were struck by the 54th skill and steadfast advance against the hail of deadly projectiles. The Union was not successful in taking the fort that day. The 54th took heavy losses, losing 40% of their troops, with Robert Shaw being slain by five bullets to the chest. But they proved that a black regiment was as good as any. The Confederate Army buried him in a mass grave with his black soldiers, refusing to turn his body over. He was not given a proper burial as a sign of disrespect for having led soldiers of color. Years later, the Union Army would start an initiative 
to exhume his body and give him a proper burial that was befitting of his rank. But his father interceded, stating, We would not have his body removed from where it lies, surrounded by his brave and devoted soldiers. We can imagine no holier place than that in which he lies, among his brave and devoted followers, nor wish for him better company with a bodyguard he has. Newspaper stories of Shaw and the 54th sacrifice would spread across northern states, dispelling myths and drawing great respect. It helped normalize. There you have it, my friends. The Massachusetts 54th Regiment, led by Robert G. Shaw, a white military man who taught us, who stood up for us, who fought with us, and who died with us. A forever respected and admired friend. I salute you, sir. Rest in peace. Well, friends, we all know what that music means. It is that time. And I just want to leave you with something. Climb the mountain not to plant your flag but to embrace the challenge. Enjoy the air and behold the view. Climb it so you can see the world, not so the world can see you. Until next time, my friends, it has been my honor.